Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Before we get to our guest, I want to make an important announcement. Cannabis Health Radio is at a crossroads. The feedback we've had about our podcast has been most encouraging. People like to hear the stories of others who have successfully used cannabis to help themselves or someone in their family. And many of these stories are truly heartwarming and make us want to continue doing what we're doing. But we can't do it without the financial support of our listeners. The podcast is costing us money, both in terms of equipment and website costs. And additionally, Corey and I have been doing this without payment. Over the next several weeks, we're putting out an urgent appeal to listeners to make a small contribution, either a one-time contribution or a small monthly donation. If we get enough funding, we will continue doing this. If not, we'll be forced to shut it down. While we seek assistance from listeners, we will also be seeking sponsorships to help us out. We're looking at everything to allow us to continue talking to people around the world about using cannabis as medicine. So, our urgent appeal to you, dear listener, is this. Help sustain Cannabis Health Radio by going to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and you'll find ways to make a contribution, either through PayPal or Patreon. PayPal is a one-time donation, Patreon is a monthly donation. And thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. And now let's get to our guest. Cervical cancer is due to the abnormal growth of cells that have the ability to invade or spread to other parts of the body. Early on, typically no symptoms are seen, and later symptoms may include abnormal vaginal bleeding, pelvic pain, or pain during sexual intercourse. Worldwide, Cervical cancer is both the fourth most common cause of cancer and the fourth most common cause of death from cancer in women. And joining us from California is Stacy, who doesn't want us to use her last name, which we respect. And she's here to tell the story of the use of cannabis to treat cervical cancer in her family. Stacy, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us the story of your daughter's diagnosis of cervical cancer. Okay, my daughter was um, 28 years old when she went to have a, you know, an annual pap smear and all. And the doctor told her that she had HPV and she had a, a few lesions on her cervix. And what they would need to do is remove those lesions, and it would cause her more than likely to have to, um, I mean, when she went to have a family, she would miscarriage. So the doctor said that more than likely she would not be able to have a child, and it was going to be painful to remove these lesions, and hopefully it would not lead to anything, any more cancer because they were cancerous lesions, and hopefully they could take care of it by just removing the lesions. 
my husband is a naturalist and going to the doctors to have anything cut off is just not anything that he's willing to do without a fight. So he really started researching different ways to handle cancer. And that's when he came across um, Run Run From the Cure, Phoenix Tears, and Coriolan's story. And was your daughter accepting of the use of cannabis once your husband and yourself did the research? Yes. Yes, because she was afraid and uh, she, well, and she had, they had snipped a little bit of her cervix and that's when she told us about it. And it was very painful and she was afraid. And so when her dad said that this could be a, a great alternative, she was all for it. Okay. And she was at the time 28 years old. Yes. Yeah. Was she married at all? No. No. Okay. No. In fact, she's getting married in um, September of this year. That's right, this September. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. So she started taking the cannabis. Tell us about that. Okay. So Tommy did a lot of research on um, getting cannabis oil. So he actually grew it and made the oil. And so she started ingesting it. But what she found was, of course, it made her very high. So we tried, oh, Corey, what was the name of that um, that supplement you said that's really good with being dizzy? Oh, I forgot. Citicoline. Yes. So we bought some of that, and that helped tremendously. However, she was having a hard time waking up because I don't think she got her doses quite right. So my husband said, well, let's try making suppositories out of it. So we did that, and she started using um, suppositories vaginally. Mm-hmm. And she didn't get high at all doing that. And um, so she did both. She did mainly suppositories, but on days that she wasn't working, then she also ingested. She then went back to the doctors um, the doctor, and told the doctor, this is what I'm going to do. And the doctor, he, you know, he wasn't really open to it, and he said... There's no research on cannabis oil. So he says he couldn't take 100 women doing it the, the doctor's way and 100 women doing it the cannabis way. And, I mean, there's just no research on it. Um, but, he, but she said, I'm, I'm not going to let you remove anything. Um, I want to give it a shot. So he gave her three months and said, if it's not – if you're not showing – huge moves towards it going away, then we have to do what we have to do. But he did give her three months. The medical profession tends to say that there isn't uh, any research on the use of cannabis for cancer, but the research goes, as far as I know, all the way back to 1974 by the U.S. government, which proved that uh, cannabis kills cancer. Isn't that crazy? It is. So what t- she started, uh, she started taking the cannabis, and to the doctor's credit, uh, he suggested that she she do it, and if yeah. there were, if there were signs that it wasn't working, then they had to remove it, which is fair enough, right? Right. So she starts so, she starts taking the the cannabis oil. She did, mm-hmm. and she got up to about a gram a day, and after thirty grams, she had gone back to the doctors. And there were no signs of any lesions, cancer. Her cervix was beautiful. Wow. Much to the doctor's surprise. So did she continue on oil then? 
Yes. She continued, but now, and now she's 31, so she continued, but she, you know, in doing all the research, she does uh, just a a maintenance dose of about a gram a month. Okay, so she's been doing that ever since she went in after 30 grams and found out that she was clear? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's been cleared for the last three years, takes a maintenance dose of about a gram a month, and she's fine. She's fine. That's so wonderful. She's fine, yes. And, you know, she has met so many other girls with the same kind of problems that she has pointed in the right direction, and they, too, are uh, fine and having babies and swear by cannabis oil. California is more enlightened than some jurisdictions around the world because you have had medical marijuana since 1996, and most recently recreational marijuana was uh, approved. Is the medical profession in California getting more accepting of this plant as a medicine? I would not say that they are, no. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, they want to hear about it, but like even uh, my daughter's doctor said, I want to know, give me all the information on this. I'm really interested. His whole staff said the same, but yet they haven't really followed through with it. It's a frustration uh, for many, many people who go to the conventional medical route and their doctor absolutely refuses to uh, even think of the use of cannabis. I have uh, an acquaintance here where we are, and she wants to get some medical cannabis because she has various ailments, but her doctor absolutely refuses to give her the approval uh, certificate for it, and uh, she has to get it essentially illegally. It's just terrible. It's a tragedy that this is where we're at. Stacey, when your daughter first started taking cannabis oil, did she work up really slowly? To that gram a day? She did. She started at a half a grain of rice size and really worked up well. But doing it vaginally, she really took, you know, larger amounts with no side effects. Yeah, that, it makes it so much easier if the, yeah. if you're, if the person's not getting high. I know generally when I'm speaking to people who, you know, need to uh, be on their game or have a bit of a life, I get them to do it um orally at night so they sleep through most of the effects and then uh in the daytime to do it via suppository yes yeah and that's what megan did she told me a funny story that um every time you know she's young so she goes out quite a bit and so every time she would go into the women's restroom and walk out she uh, you know she's young she said it smelled like she was in the stall hot boxing uh, a marijuana joint <laughs> but she wasn't i can so relate to this let me tell you <laughs> i remember being in a washroom going gee something smells like pot and then i'm like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great so that's what yeah. women do in cubicles <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody Right. <laughs> um, so when your husband made this oil for your daughter, a couple of questions. What did he use to extract it with? Oh, boy. I wish he was in the room. He ran out because he didn't want me to ask him any questions. Uh-huh. Um, can you ke- tell me two different names and I'll tell you, yeah, that's the one. Butane, Everclear. Isopropanol. I was- Isopropanol. 
No, butane. Butane. Okay. Um, other thing I wanted to know is, did he use just one strain, or did he do a variety of strains? He has done a variety of strains. So when he made the first batch of oil, that was from several different strains? Yes. Okay, interesting. Um, I don't know if you know, I was in Prague at uh, Canifest and spoke yeah. with a number of um, physicians, etc., who were saying that definitely we see more success with cannabis oil when we make the oil from several different strains versus mm-hmm. one strain. Isn't that interesting? I'll have to let him know. And that's what he does. He mixes them. Stacy, how many plants uh, did your family grow? We grew 39, which um, I think that was the legal limit that we could do without getting in any trouble. Because I got a card, uh, Megan got a card, my husband got a card, and our and one of our other daughters got a card. So with all of us having the medical card, that's how many we were allowed to grow. And in California, how many are you allowed to grow individually for one person? Six. Six. Yes. And now I don't think there's any amount that's illegal mm-hmm. so, now that it was made recreationally okay. And I have to tell you, um, we've had some neighbors that caused a lot of trouble because, you know, it's quite aromatic. And um, they called the police on us. And the police said to them, they didn't give a, excuse my French, F, what we did, it's legal. And they never even came into our yard. Well, that's good. I know, that was really, really good, because we were scared. Do you still get along with your neighbors? Unfortunately, they're my relatives, so yes. (laughs) (laughs) So your relatives ratted you out. They did. They did. It was terrible. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Must have caused a little tension. It did. It ruined our family for about two and a half years. We're we're trying to work things out now, but we're slowly mending. What's their perspective on cannabis then? I mean, they've watched their granddaughter or or relative of some kind go from, you know, having this cancer diagnosis to cancer-free without any drastic measures having taken place? You know, they 100% stand behind it now. Awesome. And in fact, my own parents, um, my mom has arthritis in her knee, and so we started rubbing it on her knee, and she now uses it every day. And also in just because it makes her feel so good, and it takes away her pain in her knee from the arthritis. So my family has really come around. Great, great. It's all a process, you know. That's why Ian and I are doing the show, to try and get the word out there and, uh, you know, bring it to the attention of people. Stacy, I want to go back to when you said your daughter was tired and had trouble getting up, and you gave her citicoline. Mm-hmm. And did that make very much of a difference in terms of the way she felt? It did. Uh, You know, she would get very paranoid when she first started from getting high. It made her very, very paranoid. So the day she started taking that, it took away that feeling of paranoia and actually helped subside the, the feeling of being high. And not only has that worked on her, but other people that we have pointed in that direction, we've also told them to use it. And every single person has said it takes away that. A feeling of paranoia. 
And it does. You know, I'm I'm the queen of paranoia on pot, let, let me tell you. And citicoline, um was the reason I was able to, you know, get my dose up. And certainly I've had a number of people, tons and tons of people who have said what a difference that made. And also, I take citicoline in the morning. If I'm kind of dragging in the morning, if I've you know taken a bit too much of a dose at night or something, I take um, acetylcholine, and I'll snap to in 10, 15 minutes. Oh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. When your daughter took it, how how soon how, before she started taking uh, the acetylcholine? Let me back up. I've kind of stumbled. Back up there. I, I stumbled my way through <laughs> this. When your daughter was taking acetylcholine. Uh, when did she take it? She the citicoline she took at the very same time that she ingested. So I know that it said I think she was instructed to take it like two hours before um, she ingested the cannabis, but that didn't work for her. So she just took it at the very same time that she ingested the oil. It, it kicked in right when the um, cannabis kicked in. Okay. Corey, when when did you take yours? A half hour before. Just a half hour mm-hmm. before. So is it something you have to experiment with? For, it's different for each individual? Mm-hmm. Stacy took hers at the same time. I guess within a within an hour of taking it. Yeah, yeah. Within an hour, I think, would do yeah. it. Yeah. I don't think I'd, I'd have any bigger of a time difference, though. And it's not a very expensive supplement, is it, Stacy? No. No, and you can get it right at a local, you know, um, Health food vitamin store. store. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, listeners should be aware that there is a product out there called acetylcholine. It is not the same thing. So if you're after citicoline, it is spelt C-I-T-I-C-O-L-I-N-E. C-I-T-I-C-O-L-I-N-E. Citicoline yes. stops you from getting high and the paranoia from the high. That's correct. And also, uh, black peppercorns apparently have the same effect. Oh. Smell black peppercorns, chew black peppercorns. Oh, I didn't know that. Know. Yeah, I one of my people phoned me from back east at like eleven at night or something, and she had taken some oil and she had taken too much and she was absolutely paranoid. And of course, you know it was eleven o'clock at night, so she couldn't get uh, acetylcholine. And I said, well, I heard the black peppercorns, you know, did the trick. So she tried that and she called me the next morning and she said worked like a charm for her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Great to know. Yeah, and another thing is if you're uh, finding that maybe you're feeling a bit too high, citrus juice or citrus fruit, like a grapefruit or orange lemon, will calm things a bit. Stacy, do you okay. do you work with other people uh, with respect to cannabis? Uh, yes. Well, I have really been telling people a lot about it. So, yes, we do. We yeah. work with quite a few people now. What's their reaction when you tell them initially? Initially, they think I must be a drug user, and what do I know? This is insane. But when I tell them about Megan, and I always tell them about your story, Corey, because it was brutal what you were told you were going to face. Um, So I always tell them, go on and look for her and listen to her story. So at first, they're shocked. Most people will not initially buy into what I'm talking about, but then they they always come around before they go into chemo, always. Well, that's great if well, they come around before. You know, before, I said it's great that they come around before yes. chemo, 
I've only had one who hasn't. She went ahead and did uh, the chemo and wishes she would not have. Yeah, I hear that over and over. But we, we have this one lady. She was down to um, 60 pounds. They put her in hospice. She had one week to live. And I don't know how we ran our, our paths, you know, inter, intervened, but, you know, they moved her into a hospice hospital. And my husband said, well, try this. She started within a week. She was still alive and gaining a little weight. And she ended up and she had lung cancer and she had bone cancer. She lost all her hair, her teeth, everything to chemo radiation. But after a month of being on it, she got to move back into her house. And a year later, going strong, no problems. Oh, and they wow. gave her one week to live. And she Gained was down weight. to 60 pounds. 60 pounds. Now I think she's probably about 90. She's a small woman. And the uh, chemotherapy has done a lot of damage. She lost all of her teeth, her hair, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, poor thing, she is... 50 but she looks 70 and she says it's from the chemo but she's alive and back in her home gardening and very happy that's fantastic that's a great story mm-hmm. when you tell people i mean Corey tells me stories about this all the time when you tell people about suppositories what sort of reaction do do they give <laughs> you know luckily i've had really good reactions they like the thought that they could do something and not get high so I have not had one person say they wouldn't try it that way. In oh. fact, everyone wants to start that way. Well, maybe Californians are less anal than the rest <laughs> of the <laughs> North America. <then. laughs> maybe so. Yeah, Corey's ha- Corey has some very interesting stories about people who have... Uh, do you want to tell the story about the needle? Oh, yeah. I don't oh. know if you saw this on my page, Stacey, but... Yeah, I did have a woman call me up, and she was really upset because the husband, um, after two suppositories, refused to do it anymore. And she went on to say, you know, I'm telling him this is your life you're fighting for. And um, he had just put his foot down and refused to do it. And I said, well, you know, uh, why? And she said, he said it hurts too much. And I said, well, what size syringe are you using? And she said, oh, just, you know, the thin one like you told me. And... um, I thought, oh, that's so strange. And then she said, yeah, and, um, you know, I found it really hard, too, to push it out of the needle, so I had to warm it up. And I went, oh. And then I went, oh, wait a minute, what did you just say? So, yes, this woman, unfortunately, um, did not understand that you didn't need the needle part of the, the rig, just the syringe. So, the poor husband. (laughs) I mean, it sounds to me like he was actually a real good sport if he went through it twice. (laughs) Anyway, they're on the they're on the right track now, and uh, uh, hopefully, things will get a bit better for them. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, that's good to hear. Stacy, is there anything you want to say in conclusion? Um, Just that I think you going out there and making people aware of this is so amazing. I want to do just what you're doing. It is so incredible, the results and no pain. And like you say, if you can grow it yourself, it's so inexpensive as well. 
Yeah, so, no, that's uh, that's very good. I know uh, California is head uh, head of the rest of uh, North America in allowing legal and medicinal marijuana, and mm-hmm. Canada this year will introduce legislation making uh, recreational uh, cannabis legal in this country. But, uh, you know, the the devil's always in the details. So until that legislation is introduced, uh, we don't know. But we're always looking uh, towards California as uh, as the mover and shaker in this industry. It's it's uh, wonderful that your daughter is healthy and uh, getting married this year. That's great news. Thank you. And they're going to try and start a family right away. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah. It is. She must be absolutely thrilled to know that uh, she's fine. She's healthy. She didn't need the operation. And uh, she's getting married and going to have kids. She is so thrilled. And she tells everyone about it. This is the only way to go. And, you, her. and you'll soon be a grandma. Yes. Can't wait. Stacy, thank you so much. Thank you both. And there you have it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did. Music